is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi, everyone. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead, number 468, recorded on Tuesday, the 7th of January, 2020. Oh, nice. Two's four, six, eight. Two, four, six, eight. Tuesday, four, six, eight. Two's four, six, eight. Yeah. Awesome. Well, happy new year, everyone. It is a new year, a new decade, as they say. Sort of, but... Yeah, happy new year. Sort of. The decade starts next year. You know that, right? Well, I I do sort of know that, but there's also something just a little bit easier of saying, you know what? The new decade has started because it's now 2020. Okay. You're (laughs) wrong, but fine. I realize there's some uh, controversy over that opinion. However, I'm going to say happy new year and happy new decade. You're not born at age one. Thanks. I'm aware. You're born at zero. Yeah. So... When you are 10, you're, you're 10 years old, you're not 11. I get it. Okay. Anyway. It's 2020. Hooray. Yay. Happy New Year, Chris. Did you do anything uh, fun on New, Year, New Year's Eve? Uh, nude Year's Eve? <laughs> no. Well, no. Did you we go to a out, Nude Year's Eve party? We did. We hung out with some local neighborhood families, had a really nice time. And it was a fairly low-key night, but we were up pretty late and mm. had fun. The problem is I've been sick for two weeks. Oh. I got sick Christmas Day, and this is one of the reasons we haven't recorded so long. And um, incidentally, uh, very sorry about that. It's been almost a month since we did a podcast, and I feel really bad about that. It may be the is longest break. Is that why I feel this way? Yeah, it might be. It may be the longest break we've ever taken in 10 years. Wow. Crazy. Uh, I know. Um, but so I, I feel bad about that, but here we are. Uh, and part of the reason is yes, the holidays, there's lots going on, but I got sick on Christmas day and I just have never really recovered. I'm still feeling bad right now, but if I can give some advice to you people, don't hesitate to get yourself checked out by a doctor when you're sick. I didn't go to the doctor finally until today, two weeks after Christmas, almost. And I've discovered that I have this chest infection and now have medication for it. So hopefully I will finally get better. But I'll be honest with you, I'm not sure 100% I am up for doing this podcast right now, but I'm going to do it anyways because the show must go on. All right, well, let's make it short. We've tried that. It never works out that way. Yeah, it never does. But no. We can try. We can try again. For your sake, Chris. Yeah, uh, it sucks. It sucks being this sick, uh, but... You know, it happens sometimes, but it's part Mm. of the reason we haven't recorded in so long because I just didn't feel like it for the last two weeks, even though we, we scheduled it in twice and then canceled both times. Yeah, you did. I did. I did. I fully admit it's entirely my fault. Yeah. Okay. Well, what we're going to do on the program today is a bunch of things. We are going to talk about John Carpenter's The Thing, which Uh we promised uh, some point back. There may be a little bit of Star Wars talk at the end of this episode, but first, Jason, we are going to get caught up on The Walking Dead News. Cool. The Walking Dead News. So, a few things in the news this week. First, let's have a real quick update on what's going on with Fear the Walking Dead. Remember that show? Uh, yeah, barely. Yeah, I know. They are filming again, and news came out recently that a few actors have 
being promoted officially to series regulars. Oh. First off, Mo Collins, who plays Sarah, is right. now a series regular. And Colby Holman. Do you even remember who that is? I remember the name. Who's right. uh, Colby? Yeah, okay, I remember. Yeah. Wes. It's that, it's that guy. Wes, yeah. It's that guy, Wes. He is now a series regular. So he really? was, yeah, He that was quick for him. He was new, uh, you know, just this previous season and here he is already a series regular so i can only imagine he is going to have a much more significant role other than just painting trees uh in uh, the next season which is season six right we can only hope i think so yeah also for fear the walking dead zoe coletti has been cast in quote a pivotal new role that will unfurl as the season progresses <sighs> well okay that's fine. Yeah. I don't like the language. How can you pivot <laughs> and, un, and unfurl at the same time? Well, a pivotal role, an important role. Yeah, I understand. But okay. I just, I, I think of somebody twirling and unfurling all at the same time, and it, uh, I can't quite wrap my head around the imagery. Sure. Well, Zoe is not someone I was aware of. Uh, she hasn't really been in too much, but if you look at IMDb, she did have a role on Rubicon. Did you ever watch Rubicon? I watched the first three or four episodes of Rubicon. Okay. I enjoyed it. Just right. didn't, I stopped caring about it. Sure. That happens sometimes. Yeah. And a show called City on a Hill, which is one I'm not familiar with. So That's a horrible name for a show. It is. It really doesn't tell you very much. <laughs> uh, but Zoe Coletti, if you're a fan, she will be appearing on Fear the Walking Dead in this upcoming season. And that's all I've got about fear. Yeah. It's like the phrase, uh, I'm just thinking about the unfurled and pivotal role. It's like the phrase centered around. Like something is centered around something else. Like, well, that doesn't, that doesn't make any sense. Like, how can you be centered around something? That's a good can't point. Be, that's they're contradictory. It's centered on mm -hmm. or, you know, uh, being around something, that's fine. You can't be centered around something. Mm. It's crazy. It does seem a little odd. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Uh, I don't like, uh, when I hear that phrase, I get mad at whoever said it. Right. Okay. Well, I'll try not to use it. Now. Centering on the lawful or the un, the wrongful death lawsuit that we talked about a few weeks ago. Remember that? I do. Yeah. All right. So I have an update there that it went to trial. This is, of course, about John Berniker's untimely death uh, yes. as a stuntman yeah. on, on The Walking Dead. It went to trial and it is already finished. And we have the result. Uh, the jury ruled that AMC was not negligent in their operation of the set that day. And they've awarded, however, they've awarded the estate of John Berniker $8.6 million in civil damages. So even okay. though AMC is not uh, negligent, the John Berniker's estate gets $8.6 bucks. Um, now, there was some more information came out. Of course, Austin Emilio had to testify at the trial as he was standing on the balcony when John fell. Right. And they, the jury found that Austin had zero responsibility for the accident. So oh, thank God. whatever happened up there, he was not part of it. Um, and he was quoted in the trial as saying, I saw the whole thing. I was in complete and utter shock. It was the worst day of my life. Oh, man. So it's Brutal. pretty intense. I mean, it, it, it would be very, very upsetting well, to see someone yeah, yeah. fall. I mean, if you're there and somebody dies right beside you, good Lord. Yeah, of course. Um, now, a focal point of the trial became the fact that 
Berniker grabbed the railing as he went over, which was not part of the script or rehearsals. So um, basically what was happening is the character he was doubling for had just been killed. So the lifeless body was supposed to fall off the balcony and his reason for grabbing it remains unknown. Um, Oh, last minute, just kind of over the railing and going and grabbing it and it throws you off and uh, screws your your trajectory and you miss the boxes and the bag and everything. Oh, good Lord. Yeah, that's basically what happened. They don't know why he changed his his method for going over at the last second on that one. Um, but it, it probably could have been a million things, you know, could have just been a yeah. mistake. Uh, you know, in our, in our daily lives, we do things like hundreds and hundreds of times in a row. And then just at that one time you fuck it up. And, uh, for me personally, the issue I have is sneezing. I sneeze every now and again. I have a sneeze. I sneeze. I sneeze again. And then I sneeze and bite my tongue. Oh. Right? Like what the hell was my tongue doing anywhere near that sneeze? And it really, really hurts. Right? So you just, you do things a thousand times, you practice it, you practice, you practice. And then every once in a while, just something happens that doesn't go according to plan. It's just like, why the hell did I do that? It's just that in this case, you know, he was a stunt man mm-hmm. and as a result, he died. And holy shit, am I ever glad I don't do something for a living that would cause my death if I did something uh, wrong one time in a thousand. Yeah, of course. And uh, unfortunately, that was that was the case in this in this uh, scenario. Who knows? Who knows what happened? But um, it's all being resolved by the courts now. And uh, hopefully everyone can move on from it, I guess, yeah. and, and heal a little bit because I'm sure his family will never really truly get over it. Pretty tragic. I'm I'm confused by the legal system though. So it was one single jury that both decided uh, the negligence and the uh, civil damages. I, I, apparently, yeah, it was it was one trial with a jury, and that was the ruling according to TVGuide.com. Okay, that's just uh, you know the only real example of this I have is O.J. Simpson. Right? They had a criminal trial, right? And then a civil trial, right? Two separate so trials. That that's how I understand things. Like, well, he's not guilty in a criminal trial, but in the civil trial, they don't have as hard a burden to prove that he was the murderer. So, uh, the civil trial is different because Mm -hmm. you know, the burden of proof is different. That's beyond a, you know, a doubt instead of a beyond all reasonable doubt or whatever. I, I don't even know why, but my understanding of the U S legal system is that criminal and civil trials are separate. Maybe this was only a civil trial and the jury said, well, they weren't negligent, but we're going to give them money anyway. Like yeah. They're going to pay for it anyway. So I, I don't know. I'm not sure. We'd have to talk to a lawyer, but uh, this this was the outcome. So in any case, it's put to rest. The you Berniker, know a lawyer, don't you? I know plenty, actually. But again, they're all Canadian lawyers. It might be different. Well, they got to know, right? The Canadian law and U.S. law are both based on uh, civil common law from the... From Britain, right? I mean, I'm sure they're similar, but I wouldn't expect a, a Canadian lawyer cannot practice anywhere in the U.S. They have to pass well, no, different bar exams. So I don't know. Of course, but they might be more aware. Like we know how television is made in both Canada and the U.S. Generally, right? I suppose. I think it might be a little different. Look, I'll ask some lawyer okay, friends and get back. Ask some lawyer friends. That's all. That's all. I. That's all I want. Okay. Just, just ask. I mean, what's the worst that could happen? You can't. Hurt. You're an idiot for asking. Stop talking to me. I don't want to talk to you anymore. Uh, you're a dumb podcaster. All you do is talk on the internet. 
I disown you as a friend. I don't think that's probably going to happen, but that does sound like the worst case scenario. Yeah, that's worst case. All right. Next item in the news is that The Walking Dead Season 10 Episode 9 might have a title. And I say might because I don't believe this is confirmed, although it is being reported kind of all over the place as real information. Um, But it hasn't come from the horse's mouth for me anyways. But I'm going to report on it. Can I guess? Of course. Is it uh, The Walking Dead Age of Ultron? Uh, No, no, it is not. (laughs) Okay, that's my guess. All right. We can move on. Apparently the title for the next episode of the show is Squeeze. And the description reads, the collected communities are reluctantly respecting the new borderlines being imposed on them. So that description is complete BS. Like, it's so vague and generic. It's like many of the descriptions for episodes. Um, But it's even worse because it seems to refer to things that have, you know, been happening ongoing for a long time now. Yeah. Um, So I find that a pretty implausible description. The, The name Squeeze, though, I could go either way. I mean, we have characters trapped in a cave. They're squeezed in down there. There's a lot of them. You know, the if the borders are contracting, the Whisperer borders, they're squeezing them in. So seems like it could be a thing, but I don't know for sure. Well, okay. So I know. No, I don't know. But my assumption is that uh, borders go up for infinity, right? Like the, the U.S. border, the U.S.-Canadian border doesn't have an altitude limit. Right? Uh, that, that's... I. I guess until you get unless to... you're in space. I mean, is is you know over a hundred thousand kilometers or whatever the uh, the the space limit is. Is that is that the limit up? I know that my property, uh, I own the property up to a certain altitude. Correct. You can you can't build a house above a certain height, for example. Yeah. You yeah. You nobody can tell me what that altitude is, but I know that I don't own my property up until space because then I'd be charging rent for planes that fly over. Right? It's like, ah, Air Canada flew over my house. I want a dollar. Mm-hmm. You know, just send me a dollar. You flew over my house, directly over my house. Yeah. I used a laser to track it. Don't do that. That's illegal. You'll get arrested. Terrible idea. If you shine a laser at an airplane, mm-hmm. bad idea. But uh, I'm wondering if, uh, so borders go up. Do borders go down? Right? Do I own, uh, does the U.S.-Canadian border go all the way to the center of the earth, for example? I mean, so you can't dig I'm a tunnel under, so maybe it goes down a little bit. It probably goes down a little bit, but, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't know what the legality is. So I'm wondering if the, the whisperers have, uh, you know, if their border extends to this cave. You know, are, are they in the uh, in the whisperers' territory if they're underground, under it? I, I would think the whisperers probably think they are, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think I need a ruling. We need to ask your lawyer friend. Okay. And we have two <laughs> questions for the lawyers. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. How, actually, uh, the question they might be able to answer is, uh, how high above my house do I own the property? I'm sure we can get a ruling on that. Yeah. What's, what's the altitude at which my property ends? I don't think it's as high as you might think. <laughs> no, it's probably only like, you know, 50 feet or something like that. Cause it, it's not crazy. Like I'm sure it's not crazy. No. But then again, if I took a drone and flew it over my neighbor's house, they might get mad at me. They right? might. You're over my property. It's like, well, you only own up to 50 feet after that. Airspace. I can film as much as I want through your bedroom windows from up here. <laughs> well, yeah. Also, actually do that a bad idea. There. Yeah, also don't do that. Yeah. All right. Well, season uh, 10, episode 9 might be called Squeeze, 
But the, in any case, the show does, in fact, return on February the 23rd. So we will find out at least by then. Cool. Uh, okay, one more item in the news here. And this is a fun one, I think, Jason, because Scott Gimple was interviewed by Entertainment Weekly recently, and I asked him a bunch of questions about the Rick Grimes movies. Oh, okay. Because, well, you know what, I'm going to read a few quotes here first, and then we can, we can react to this. So asked about the time frame, shoot dates, and locations for the film and or films, Scott said, We have a couple of different plans that we're going with, depending on a couple of different factors we have to deal with on everything from story to product aspects. There have been a lot of different aspects to it in terms of timing that are pretty much coming into rapid focus right now. I would say the past year, in a lot of ways, has been R&D on a lot of aspects of it. So that's quote number one. Okay. (laughs) Then asked about the script. We are currently refining it. I don't want to say much more than that. It's coming together amazingly, but we're trying to make this very special for everybody involved, and we're holding our feet to the flames. It's an incredibly deliberate process right now. Mm. And, okay. then, and then one more. Asked if there's still a trilogy, or if, if it's just a single movie now. And he said, yes, but we are still playing with things. That's the plan right now. He also revealed that no director has been chosen for this movie and or movies. This sounds to me like it's marketing speak for my plan for putting an addition on the back of my house. Like, well, we're firming up dates and timelines and uh, we're trying to figure out what materials to use or, you know, we're, we're being very deliberate on uh, planning the material aspect of the addition that uh, will be added to the house. Are you going to add one addition or three additions? We're definitely looking into various options and talking to uh, a whole bunch of contractors. It just sounds like a whole bunch of bullshit for, you know what? Everything's up in the air. I mean, we're probably going to have Andrew Lincoln, but... You know, maybe not. Well, that's the thing. It sounds like he is like way behind schedule at the at the best case scenario, but basically has nothing going on. Worst case scenario. It sounds like they have done nothing on these films yet. And it's been over a year since they announced them. You would think that there would be filming happening in 2019 for a 20 2020 release but here we are in january 2020 and they're still refining the script they are figuring everything out he keeps saying there are a lot of different aspects to it in terms of timing and blah 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 they don't have a director and i feel like maybe these movies aren't even happening anymore well i don't know if i'd go that far i mean someday i want to have an, an addition on my house yeah. I'd like to expand the kitchen another 10 feet. That'd sure. be awesome. It would be great, yeah. but I another mean- Another 10-foot kitchen? That'd be awesome. You, but, have, you have to take some steps towards your goal and, you know- Yeah, the first step is wishing, right? I wish to have an addition. So they're, you know, he's wishing to make some movies. That's good, right? I mean, I guess that's the first step, but um, wishes don't get you very far. And- you know, they promised movies a year and a half ago or whatever. They put out that weird little trailer at Comic-Con with the helicopter flying towards Philadelphia. Remember that thing? I do. And nothing. Nothing since then. And they kept telling us, we'll have, we'll have more information for you soon. It's going to be 
you know, all everything all at once, like right away. But here we are six months past Comic-Con and nothing else other than these quotes about, you know, we have a couple different plans and we're deciding on things and we're still refining the script and nobody's been hired to make it. And, you know, so... I'm well, not, you gotta have a you have to have a script before you can get a director, right? I'm or, just uh, not necessarily, but you know that's one way to you know you have a script, and then uh, so you know maybe that's what they're doing. They're taking deliberate steps and uh, looking at various options for uh, scripts. So right after that interview, he's gonna get on the internet and look up uh, uh, writers. I need a writer for a movie or sure. Well, this, I'm just not getting a very good feeling about it. And, you know, weirdly, the director thing doesn't bother me quite as much because, let's be honest, they probably have a wealth of t- directors that have done episodes of the TV show that they could hire to do these. Yeah. Uh, probably plenty of them who would jump at the chance to shoot a feature film. But still, you'd think there would be a little bit more progress by now of just getting going on these things because we've been waiting and waiting and waiting and there's been nothing out there until this and i feel like this is also nothing yeah well i agree with you that this is a complete bubble of bullshit for they've been doing nothing but they're holding their feet to the fire so uh you know let's let a fire under this or the phrase that's been coming up lately at work is uh, uh we're trying to get our feet back under us after the holiday break right oh yeah like, oh my god uh, what do we do for a living again? I forget. So they're trying to get their feet back on, under them. So they've, they have no idea what's going on. <laughs> well, and I think that Scott Gimple's in that very, uh, that very situation is like, shit, I got this interview. I don't have any answers. Uh, I need to talk to a professional interview obfuscator person yeah. who writes obfuscation for interviews. Yeah. Well, <laughs> sounds I, like an awesome job. Really? Sure. I'm just a little bit worried that he it feels like they're just not getting anything done. Now, I I posted this article on our Facebook page a few days ago and a bunch of people wrote comments, uh, two of which I'm going to read here. Daniel wrote, "I stopped reading after the second answer. This is a total BS interview. Better let Rick come back to the show for one ex- everything explaining episode in a season finale and let the films die. At this point, everyone is over Rick's disappearance. It is Judith's story now. Anyways, focus on her." Yeah, you know, fuck the movies. I think it's a good point. And then Josh wrote, I think the ship has sailed and they have simply waited too long. Also, betting the farm on releasing the movies in theaters rather than on AMC directly is a massive mistake. I love The Walking Dead and I miss Rick on the show, but even I couldn't justify the ticket price for seeing it in theaters. Oh, I wouldn't go see it in theaters if we weren't doing this podcast. There's no way. Well, like I have a hard enough time seeing movies I want to see in theaters. Like it took me three weeks to go see Star Wars. Yeah, fair. I can, I can get that. Um, if we weren't doing this podcast, I don't know how I would feel. Really? I'm not sure. You know, I would probably still be watching the show, but it would, it's hard to imagine what it would be like to watch it without doing this. So I, I really don't know. Um, if, if I weren't doing the podcast, I'd probably still be watching the show like you. And if the movie ever showed up uh, in theaters and I saw an ad for it, I'd be like, they made a movie. Yeah. I feel like that might be. That's weird. <laughs> exactly. It does feel weird now to me. You know, if they, if Rick left the show and there was a movie in theaters six months later, you know, that, that might've worked because 
in a way, it's still kind of fresh in people's minds, right? Or you time the movie release with the release of the new season or something, which I guess they could still do for an upcoming season. But it just feels like it's, it's, they've missed their chance at this point. I mean, when you think about it now, they haven't even finished the script. If they, if they start filming in the spring, it takes at least a year to make a movie, right? I don't know. Let's Who knows? Say, let's say it takes a year. The earliest this thing is going to be out is spring 2021. I mean, The Walking Dead will be wrapping up season uh, 11 at that point. Yeah. And we're going back to tell the story of what happened to Rick after he flew away in that helicopter. Like, I just don't see it happening. Yeah. I don't see it being a thing. No one's going to care anymore. I feel like people already are starting to lose interest. Well, they are, and I think I am too. And, you know, that old adage of seven seasons in a movie for a television show, right? Like, that would be the ultimate goal of any television show. Right. Nobody does that anymore. When was the last time you went to see a movie based on a TV show? I mean, I can't even think of one right now. Star Trek? Well, okay. Right? Yeah. So, you know, Star Trek, they made a bunch of episodes and uh, for the next generation, and then they made a mo- bunch of movies. Right. And that's the kind of thing. Uh, but, you know, the Breaking Bad movie, the El Camino. Yeah. That's a movie. That's movie length. I have, still haven't seen it. But uh, it's, you know, it didn't show up in theaters. Right. They made a, uh, a justified movie. Did they make it? No, it was uh, Deadwood. They made a Deadwood movie, but it didn't show up in theaters. Mm-hmm. They made a, uh, a Downton Abbey movie. I have no idea if it showed up in it, theaters. It if did. It, did, it was it in theaters. Fucking tanked. Well, it was probably. in theaters. My wife went to see it. She's a huge Downtown Abbey fan. D- Downtown Abbey. Yeah, that's what I call it. I think it's funny. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I love Down Downton Abbey. I, I'm not sure if I've seen all the episodes. I probably stopped a season or two before the end. Well, in any case, those are good examples. Uh, the Downtown Abbey one, maybe the best because it was a TV show and then a movie. I'm sure it did okay in theaters, um, but that show, I'm sh- well, I don't know. I'd have to look it up, but I would guess it never had as many viewers as The Walking Dead did yeah. or does. And, like, I think people are just going to lose interest. The, the, the movie theater market is so different than it was, you know, even 10 years ago mm-hmm. or uh, in the 90s especially. Uh, you know, there's people... Just are like, oh, I'm not, I'm going to catch that after it's all done in the theater. There's no real need to go to the theater to watch a movie. I don't like 3D. I don't go see 3D movies anymore. I specifically will not go see a movie if I can only see it in 3D. I'm with you there. So luckily, uh, now that uh, Cineplex has the, the VIP treatment where uh, you can go and sit in a nice, comfy, reclining chair that is almost comfortable. I almost like it. I don't quite. But they bring me food rather than me having to stand in line like a chump using my own legs. But so now that they have that VIP thing, I, I, you know, I'll spend the extra cash to go see a VIP movie, but uh, I I would be hard pressed to go see a movie that was based on a television show. Well, if they do that anymore, which I don't think they do. Yeah. I have a feeling that this, these Rick movies, if they happen, and I wouldn't be surprised if we at least get one, um, but I wouldn't be surprised also if they end up back on AMC or the agreement that they have with uh, whoever the 
theater theatrical distribution company is for this kind of falls through and they move on from it. I don't know, but, but I, I just can't see it. It would be a huge bummer if they pushed through and released these in theaters and they were giant bombs, right? Like losing money. No one sees them except for the walking dead super fans and us, which we are part of, I would say. Uh, yeah, we're in the super fan. Yeah. But, well, we know everything, right? Yeah. Well, you do. I, you know, I know what you know. Well, I don't know if I know everything. I'm, I've forgotten more about The Walking Dead than most people have ever <laughs> learned, Jason. <laughs> well, Chris, I would say that as far as The Walking Dead goes, I would give you an honorary doctorate in The Walking Dead. Whoa, that's awfully like, You kind. may not, you know, uh, the only thing that's missing is that I think you need to write a thesis mm. and then you need to defend it. Uh, okay. But if it's yeah, honorary. I might, have, I might have questions. You have to defend it from uh, those questions. Isn't the point of, of getting an honorary one that I don't have to do all that? It is. That's why I'm saying that it's honorary is that in order to get an actual oh, doctorate, you have to do the work. Got it. And you need a thesis advisor and I'm not going to be that guy. All right. So you'll have to go talk to somebody else. But uh, yeah, I, I'd give you an honorary doctorate in The Walking Dead. Okay. I, you know, me, I'd be a, you know, um, an enthusiastic master's, let's say. Maybe a visiting Maybe. professor. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'd be a, you know, a, a guest lecturer. There you go. <laughs> maybe, lecturer. maybe a keynote, but I really don't think so. <laughs> Who would just meander off on various dubious, uh, rabbits. Yeah, that's the point of the keynote, constantly. right? Right. I you know, know I get to talk about whatever I want and then introduce the actual people. Sure. I like it. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it for the Walking Dead news. Who knows? Maybe we'll get like a huge influx of information about these movies in the next little while and my opinion will completely be changed around because I don't know, filming has started and they've got a release date or whatever. But for now I have a bad feeling about these movies. Yeah. And for me personally, now that I've heard about this and had uh, about 35 seconds to digest it, I say shit can the movies altogether. Release it as a fucking novel. I'll read the novel. Oh, a Rick Grimes novel. Get Jay Bon and Singa back on board and let him write some Rick Grimes novels. That's not a right. terrible idea. I think it's a great idea, personally. I Yeah, I'd definitely listen to those novels. All right. I still prefer, I do prefer Audible to reading. Yeah, yeah, I do too. AMC, if you're listening, get some Rick Grimes novels going. Forget these movies. They're, they're turning out to be a bad idea. Yeah, if Scott Gimple's looking for a writer, fuck it, just switch gears, man. You don't need a screenwriter. Find somebody who writes novels. Novel writer. I'm, we know some, and they're out yeah, there. Yeah, and uh, uh, Scott Gimple, you could even... Develop the outline, right? There's no reason, like, you can have collaboration on novels, right? Sure. Arthur C. Clarke did that uh, near the end. He would write the outline, you know, develop the story, build all the plot points and everything, and hand it off and let some other schmuck write the write the actual words. Yeah. Bonansinga worked with Kirkman on the first couple of novels, right, that he wrote. It was a yeah. close partnership, as far as I understand. So it yeah. could happen. It could happen. I think that novels are even a better idea than graphic novels. Like, we could... You know, graphic novels, we have those, right? For I mean, the graphic novels have ended. Mm -hmm. But wouldn't it be kind of weird to have graphic novels of The Walking Dead that are based on the television show? Yeah. I mean, they could do that, <laughs> That's too. That's based on the graphic novels? <laughs> <laughs> it's all come full circle. <laughs> yeah. All anyway, right. Well. Novels. Speaking of Kirkman, no, uh, no comments from him that I could find about any of this stuff. So... I sort of wonder what his day-to-day -day involvement in this anymore is. And if it's, if he's even still around, like making the show on set, doing anything, obviously he's in oh, writing God, no. comics anymore. So 
I feel like he maybe just have, has stepped back and is sort of like, you know what? Let The Walking Dead go. It, it belongs to you now. Uh, yeah, just send me the money. Well, you know? send me he's, the money. He's sitting on a boat somewhere going, I got nothing to do with this show, but Jesus, they, you know, they slingshot a bag of money at me every week. Yeah. And uh, that's all right. Yeah, that's okay. He's got other books coming out and other comics. He is doing other things. So if uh, if you're worried about Robert Kirkman, I wouldn't be. He's got stuff on the go. Yeah. That's the secret to life, by the way. Figuring out a way to make money while you sleep. Right. I haven't quite figured that out yet. No, I have to work for every dollar I make. Every single uh, one. So that's it. All right. Someday. Well, we are going to take a short break while we try to figure out how to make money when while we sleep. Um, but there's more after this. So stay with us. Okay, welcome back, everyone. Now it is time to talk about the 1982 John Carpenter film, The Thing. So, Jason, remind me, before your viewing of this movie for this podcast, had yes. you seen the film before? Yes, okay. in the 80s. In the 80s, right. So you, in had, the 80s. you had like eight years in the 80s to watch it because it came out in 82. Yeah, it was one of those things where my parents rented it and we watched it on our very first VCR in the 80s together as a family. On VHS. Yeah. On uh, Yeah, on VHS. It was a JVC with top-loaded JVC thing. You put it in, you crank the thing down, and it had huge colorful buttons. And oh my God, a remote control with a fucking cable. <laughs> yeah, and you were <laughs> it wasn't watching. Even, it wasn't even like wireless remote. I remember the first time we had a wireless remote. I'm like, oh my God, there's no wire. I live in the future. <laughs> well, yeah. and you were probably watching it on like a 22 inch four by three square TV. Yeah, it was somewhere along those lines. Amazing. Yeah, my computer monitor is bigger and, you know, 900 times better than that TV. Naturally, yeah, of course. And that was the TV, just, <laughs> you know, you got me on a nostalgic kick here. Sorry. My brother got mad at Wayne Gretzky one time in the 80s and threw a dart at the TV, took a big chip out of the screen, the glass screen. Mm -hmm. Didn't break it, but it took a chip out of it and uh, it it made it so we, as a family, couldn't watch hockey anymore because we couldn't tell whether the puck was the chip in the screen or the actual puck because it was, you know, the same size and shape of a puck from a, a hockey game. See, so we couldn't tell where the puck was. You really are Canadian. Even you, who doesn't know anything about hockey, has a hockey story from growing up as a child. Yeah, my brother got mad at Wayne Gretzky. Who knows why my brother was mad at Wayne Gretzky? Like, this all happened when nobody was in the room, but my brother, Wayne Gretzky, and a dart. Was it in the early 90s? Because if it was, I know what made him mad. Uh, my brother was not a hockey fan. I think he was just mad at 
Wayne Gretzky's fame. Oh, okay. I think he just saw him on TV and he went, fuck you. All right. What happened? What happened in the uh, the early 90s? No, we don't need to get into it. It's not important. But there's a there's a game between the Los Angeles Kings and the Toronto Maple Leafs while Gretzky was with the Kings that is infamous with Maple Leaf fans. If you're interested in that, go look it up. It's in the 92 or 93 playoffs. Oh, no. This was during uh, Gretzky was uh, playing for the Oilers. So earlier. So it was in the 80s still. Yeah, it was definitely in the 80s because we were living in northern Alberta and Gretzky was playing for the Oilers. So that's why we're watching Gretzky. Got it. He was local. Okay. Well, that was fun, but let's get back to the thing. So, <laughs> oh, yeah, right. We're, this is not a hockey podcast. Are you sure? No, well, sometimes I wish it was, man. I could talk about hockey for a long time, but that's not what we're doing here. Um, the, thing, the thing, you had seen it before back in the 80s. So yep. probably not very much, not too much memory of it, really. I had some specific uh, memories, but I couldn't, uh, I really don't know if they were memories from when I watched the movie or memories from uh, seeing clips throughout the years. Sure. Well, I had never seen it all the way through before. In fact, I don't really think I had seen much of it because I did not recognize or this, it didn't jog any memories in my mind when I watched it uh, last week for getting ready for this. And... I think that probably has affected my feelings about it, my opinions about it a little bit, because it really, really wasn't what I expected. What were you expecting? Let's start there. I was expecting a... So I knew the premise of the film, or at least I thought I did. And the yep. premise that I, that I knew was um, an, some sort of alien entity has yep. come to Earth and is able to mimic uh, living creatures on Earth. Uh-huh. So I was expecting, and it takes place in this uh, Arctic research facility where there's not a lot of living things around except the people that are there. Yes. So I was expecting a psychological thriller that involves a bunch of characters that don't really know what's going on because they don't understand this entity and if it's able to get into the people there and mimic them and sort of become them i expected a movie where they just don't trust each other and don't understand what's going on and this is where the tension in the film comes from but that's not what i got watching that, this movie that's not what you got no what, what i did got, you get what i got watching the thing was an extremely gory creature effects horror movie right with in my opinion very little mimicking of characters like i expected if you and i were in the arctic research station and uh -huh. you were infected with this thing i expected you to be walking around looking exactly like you but maybe just acting a little off or something like that i i expected invasion of the body snatchers right right but what I got was like extreme gory horror movie creature, gory horror movie. Exactly. Yeah. And I wasn't ready for that. And it wasn't, wasn't what I was expecting. And I must admit because I'd never seen it before, I don't have any of the nostalgia or the memories, or I don't have the experiencing experience of watching it back in the eighties when the, Creature effects didn't 
look so bad. And I know people are going to write emails and I'm going to get in trouble for that, but I thought this movie kind of doesn't hold up in those aspects. Well, of course it doesn't hold up because it was made in the late 70s, you know, early 80s, right. released in 82. So of course it doesn't hold up, but these creature effects that you uh, think don't hold up, they are gory. Like, I think the reaction you had is the same as the reaction the public had in 1982 when this movie was released. It wasn't a flop, but it wasn't a critical success. In fact, John Carpenter got fired from Universal because of the lack of success of this movie. Uh, so, but in my humble opinion, this movie is a fucking masterpiece. Like, it is absolutely amazing. I loved this movie this this time through. And the sure, the creature effects are not what they are now, but for the time, they were inspirational. They mm-hmm. were absolutely brilliant, but way too graphic. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So that, like, the, some of the, like, they were, they were works of art. They were just, you know, gory creature effects, like that twisted human thing that they found from the Norwegian uh, encampment of all these, you know, the multiple faces and the teeth sticking out. Yeah. And like, oh my God, you're telling me that you didn't think that that was uh, incredibly awesome? That's the problem. I'm glad you really like this movie because I didn't like it that much. And, and, and I get it. It was, it's part, it's a big part of that is just my expectations. And I should try to manage that and temper it a little bit. Um, and, and just because I didn't get what I expected doesn't make it a bad movie. And I certainly don't want to say that because it's not a bad movie, but it just didn't really do it for me. I and didn't the dog at the beginning. They're hunting this dog. It's like, why are they trying so hard to kill this dog? They're willing to die for this dog. They put it in the, in the kennel and the dog's face splits open. Like, dude. Yeah. First of all, I thought the opening, the opening scene of them chasing the dog with the helicopter and trying to shoot it went on forever. I mean, they, oh, yeah. I got it. I understood. I figured out what was going on there. These guys were trying to kill the dog. And I guess had I not known the premise of the alien, uh, maybe I would have been confused at that. But I was like, OK, the aliens and the dog, they're trying to kill it. I get it. Let's move on. Um, and, and yes, the dog's face splitting apart. That's, that's the first thing where I'm like, oh, that's, that's weird. I thought like it was in the dog. And so the dog is this mimic creature. Yeah. And, and I thought we were going to get like the dog in dog form attacking people and killing them. There's a scene where the dog walks into just, there's actually some good scenes with the dog. I thought where he's just walking around the base and it's. It's tense because you're like, oh, my God, the aliens and the dog, what's he going to do at any moment? Like he could just turn on somebody. And there's a scene where the dog just comes down the hall slowly, turns to go into one of the guy's rooms. And all you can see is the the guy's shadow. I guess he's sitting on his bed or something like that. I'm like, this is it. We're going to see that. We're going to see that shadow attacked. And I'm like, this is what we're going to do. But then it doesn't happen. And we don't really get the the. um you know, attack from the known is, is sort of what I'm expecting. I'm like, I'm expecting these people and or dogs to start behaving oddly because they have the creature in them. But instead the creature just busts out and turns into this big bloody mass gore messy thing. Yes, but it didn't, 
in my my rule of internal consistency, it didn't deviate from that. Like in order to uh, become something else, it needs to attack that uh, that other thing right. in a form that is not uh, the dog, right, or the uh, uh, or the humans. Yeah. Uh, so it has to bust open. It has to become something else. It has to, you know, get away by, you know, s- s- removing the head of the guy and then growing fucking goddamn spider legs and scurrying off. So weird. Right? <laughs> oh, yeah. The, the, it's so twisted, the, yeah. the, the creature effects. I mean, originally the idea was uh, that the alien was inside the people, right, and would bust out and then uh, attack somebody else. But that was more, and then aliens came along, they're like, well, shit, we can't do that now, can we? Right. And they had all this budget for creature effects, right? If it's just human on human fighting, uh, you know, mimic aliens trying to kill other people, you know, that doesn't justify uh, a one the highest creature effects budget that ever was put towards a movie at the time. Yeah. Uh, so uh, they needed to do something, so... You know, they said, you know, why not just uh, have the guy explode or sure. chest turn into a giant fucking mouth? And there was some of that, right? Where there's, they're trying to figure out who's who and they're doing the blood tests and things like that. You know, there was some of that where we don't know if we can trust you because we don't know if the thing is in you or not. Yeah. Uh, and that's kind of what I was expecting and what I was going for that kind of stuff, but have the whole movie be built around that premise where we don't know if you're a bad guy or a good guy. <laughs> well, the thing is that, uh, you know, when you look at it from in hindsight like this, uh, your expectation of it being that would have been disappointing, I mm-hmm. think, because a hundred of other movies have done that, right? There's, uh, there's all kinds of Terminator 2, for crying out loud, yeah. is that. Right, you can't trust anybody because they could be the fucking alien or the the robot from the future. So, uh, so you're you're kind of screwed either way here. Because if it was that, it uh, it definitely would have. I think it would have been disappointing because that's been done to death afterwards. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't that, and nobody else did this because anybody else that did do this would be like, "Well, you're just doing the thing." Yeah, you can't do you can't do the thing. Because they already did the thing, and the thing is the thing, and that's, you know. And that's totally a fair point. I'm sure if I'd seen this in the 80s, uh, or at least sometime soon after its release, I might have a different opinion of it. Um, but, but I have 40 years, almost, of uh, perspective and other movies and, and other expectations that I had trouble putting together while watching this. So it's, it's me for sure. It's definitely just me. Um, but you know, what can I say? Yeah. I, I thought the movie was, was brilliant. I loved every second of, of this movie, the creature effects, the suspense. I didn't notice the dog chasing scene took way too long. I like the fact that the opening scene is, or the opening shot is a spacecraft coming to earth. Yeah. I'm like, holy shit, there's going to be an alien invasion. And then it turns out it was a hundred thousand years ago. Yeah, like that was really cool. I, Except for I watched the recently watched the uh, the trailer, uh-huh. and the the trailer said aliens have invaded a hundred thousand years ago. Oh, I was like, well, fucking spoiler trailers been doing it since the eighties. Yeah, goddamn trailers, trailer. they're the worst. I hate them. I I enjoyed that opening flying saucer scene. It looked terrible, but again, I'm oh, not. It was horrible. Not it was, holding it was, that. 
against it yeah. for now. Um, I, I actually thought when they go to find the ship, when they go and find the ship un, unburied from the snow, um, uh-huh. it was pretty clear to me that that was a matte painting of the spaceship behind them. Well, yeah. I thought it looked pretty cool, though. I, I enjoy a really good matte painting. I do like a good matte painting. You know, I, uh, there's, there's some, uh, there's some matte paintings that are so fantastic that you can't even tell they're matte paintings. Like there's some shots that Charlie Chaplin, Chaplin did that, uh, had met, uh, involved matte paintings and they were brilliant to the point where, oh my God, how did he do that? There was a, there's one shot where Charlie Chaplin's roller skating and he's roller skating. He doesn't realize that he's roller skating right to the edge of a, uh, uh, you know, uh, a balcony without a railing. Mm-hmm. And he's skating to the edge and he gets kind of really close to it and he doesn't quite go over and it just, it looks like it's incredibly dangerous. And then they show, there was something I saw on YouTube where they showed the, how that was constructed and, uh, it's with the matte painting, right? Cool. Like he's, he's obviously nowhere near, uh, on a precipice of any point whatsoever. And they did it a million times cause he crossed over that line where he would have fallen. They took the, they kept the shot where he didn't fall over or, or cross that line, but you can't tell it's a matte painting. Well, that's cool. I, and I like that sort of thing. They're, they're, you know, the Millennium Vulcan was a matte painting in Star Wars at times, right? Well, have you seen the unremastered versions of uh, some of the, t- the special effects from oh, yeah. the original Star Wars? Yeah. They are bad. Like, you can see the fucking cellulite on top of cellulite being moved for the, the X-Wing fighters. And uh, there's, in especially, there's a shot in... Um, are you sure the word is cellulite? <laughs> Cellulose. Cellulose, yeah. Cellulose. Something Cellulose. else. They threw some fat at the screen. Yeah, yeah. They just cut out the you know pound of flesh and threw it on the screen. Uh, there's a shot in uh, Empire Strikes Back where they're inside the airspeeder or the snowspeeder, and it's transparent. Like, you can see the shit that's going on behind it. Uh-huh. Right? So they remastered it and sure. they made it better. Sure. And and that that's fine. And And all those things don't bother me. Because I saw them when they were fresh and I was of a see. different time period. Um, this movie, I just don't have that, I'm afraid. And, I, and again, I'm not trying to say it was bad, but it just it, it didn't really, really work for me. I must admit, I also thought they spent a lot of time sort of standing around talking and explaining <laughs> what was happening. Yeah. Um, especially That's- with Wilford Brimley, uh, who was fine in this. Uh, but... You know, Kurt Russell tells us that the thing, at one point he tells us the thing wants to freeze again and sleep until more people come so it can has more people to infect. And I'm like, how does he know this? How does he know that's what it wants to do? I don't know. He doesn't know. He's it's just making Snake stuff Plissken, up. man. He knows shit. Yeah, apparently he does. Um, and then there was a scene where, so they lock Wilford Brimley up in the shed outside, right? Uh, yeah. And then uh, later on they go to get him and he's not there and they find out that there was a ship that he was building, right? <laughs> okay, that was a little hard to understand. I agree with you. Like, when the hell did he have time to build a ship and dig a hole to build it? That's what I was thinking. I mean, first of all, they all walk in and they say out loud what's happening. Oh my gosh, he was building a ship. Yeah, thanks, I see that. But then I'm like, how long has he been in there? So, <laughs> Well, it's an alien, right? Yeah. It's been, it's an, okay, the concept is that this alien has been all over the galaxy, and it has incorporated uh, information from all kinds of creatures of all kinds of different life forms from all over the galaxy. So, and it's uh, incorporated technology from all these different areas as well. So, it is possible that, uh, and it, it, 
you know, when he's building the ship, he doesn't have to look like Wilford Brimley, right? I mean, because, yeah. you know, if you don't have to look like Wilford Brimley, you probably wouldn't. No, you probably wouldn't. R- right? <laughs> Most of us. Right. I mean, there's, there's, there's exactly one guy that would. And he is Wilford Brimley. Sure. Like, but it's the same thing with me, right? If, if I didn't have to look like this, I wouldn't. Like, I can guarantee that I wouldn't. Come on, man. You're a specimen of masculinity. There's nothing wrong with you. Well, that may be true. I'm becoming more of a more, more and more of a specimen each day. Sure. Anyway, uh, so, you know, when he's building the ship, he could take on whatever form he wants. He could take on a form with like 47 arms. And uh, all with all with manipulator shit, and he didn't have to stay in the shed. Like, there's no way that he was still in the shed. He was all over the fucking camp collecting crap in order to build a ship to freeze himself in the ice. Like, why would he want this ship if Kurt Russell said that he wanted to freeze in the ice? Okay, well, that's that's a good question. But can he take on different forms? Like, I didn't get the feeling this alien could yeah. do that. He grew like tentacles out of a head, and then ran away. I know, but he opened up a chest in a big or that guy's stomach. I don't know why they were doing like fucking putting the paddles on his stomach, but uh, he opened up a big mouth. Right? He can do whatever he wants. He's the thing. He is the thing. Yeah. Oh, right. Fine. Anyways, so you love the thing. I think it's kind of just okay. But my viewing experience is is tainted by the fact that I. Didn't know what I was getting into. And people are going to hate me for that opinion. I get that. I'm sorry if we lose listeners here. <laughs> no, it's okay. I mean, it's a cult classic now. Yeah. But it didn't uh, It didn't do very well during its initial theatrical run. I mean, hell, it was up against uh, fucking uh, E.T. and Poltergeist and uh, Blade Runner. Open the same day as Blade Runner. Well, you can't compete with that. That's tough. That is tough. Apparently, it made 19. Six million dollars in worldwide gross. Yeah, over time on a fifteen million dollar budget. So, I mean, that's back in the early eighties. I don't know what that would equate to in uh, today money, like twenty twenty money. But um, it's not a failure, but it's not a huge success. Yeah, uh, it was expected to make more, and it was over budget by like three million dollars or something. It was like it was well over its uh, initial budget. Sure. So it's like, we have some more money. It's going to be great. I promise. It's like, going to be like top notch. It's going to be awesome. You, uh, you know, look at the success of Aliens or Alien. It was such a great, great movie. Let's do, let's do that. And then they're up against E.T. where everybody's like, oh, aliens are awesome. And then you, you want to see the thing where aliens are this uh, nasty, gross, like really, really graphically gross uh, monstrosities. And it has a completely nihilistic ending where it's like, well, we're all going to fucking die. Yeah. So at least the alien's dead. Yeah. I didn't mind the ending. They're just like sitting, the ending. They're just sitting there and we're like, that's it. That's it. There's nothing more we can do. Obviously, I'm in the minor- minority, though. This has an 8.1 out of 10 on IMDb. It's, I'm sure it's high in their, you know, top 250 movies of all time. And, uh, you know, it is what it is. I also didn't know that there was two other versions of this movie made one in the fifties, I think, or maybe sixties. That's the original version of this thing. Yeah. It was based on, uh, what was it called? I forget what it was called. Uh, but yeah, I, it, I agree. It had a different name, but then they remade it too. Um, a few years ago, I think called the thing as well, Did but they? yeah, that's dumb. I know <laughs> it's sort of dumb. You can't, uh, you can't remake it unless you have Kurt Russell and, uh, Wilford Brimley in it. 
Oh, the original one was called The Thing from Another World, 1951. So there you go. Uh, the only other thing I wanted to mention about The Thing, if I may. Sure. Is that uh, <laughs> the creature effects by, uh, what was his name, Rob Botton. Okay. Uh, who He also did Robocop, Total Recall 7, Basic Instinct, Fight Club. Uh, you know, he's he's got quite the creds. And this He was 21 when he got this fucking job. And he worked on set for this for over a year uh, to make these creature effects. He had a 35-person crew at its height, but he has the same problem that I do and that he was horrible at delegating, mm-hmm. so he wanted to do everything. So he worked day and night for over a year, and uh, at the end of it, <laughs> he was hospitalized for uh, exhaustion, obviously. Fucking double pneumonia. Ooh. What the hell is double pneumonia? You don't even want single pneumonia. I feel like I have it right now. But yeah. double pneumonia sounds pretty bad. And a bleeding ulcer. Oof. At 21. Jeez. Not, at 21. Not worth it, man. He didn't take a day off and he lived on set. Like that, that scene where the, uh, the, the creature, like they're trying to revive that guy with the, with the paddles and his uh, chest and stomach turns into a mouth and rips that, the doctor's arms off. Mm-hmm. That scene itself took like 30 guys. Jeez. Uh, to work that puppet, like, or maybe not 30 guys, but the whole table underneath it was filled with people doing stuff. And then there was the head coming off and then the, the arms growing out of the, uh, uh, out of the head. And they actually got a guy, the doctor, they, uh, they had to create, created prosthetic arms out of jello for a guy that was a double amputee. Uh, so they put his arms in there and he pulled back and the jello all split apart and it looked like his arms were ripped off. Uh-huh. Uh, and that took like three days to shoot Jeez. that one thing just to get that one effect. And they, they mimicked the hair on the guy's arms. Like they built fake arms that had the same hair pattern. And the guy that was on the table, uh, had the same, like it was obviously not the real guy, the real actor on the table when his chest. Right. You know, right. turned into a mouth. But they they, they they mimicked his chest hair. Like, why? Why would you do that? Attention like, to there's detail. There's no reason you would know what this guy, this actor looked like without a shirt on. Uh, so why do his exact chest hair? Why, why not? I mean, attention to detail and things like that. Yeah. Hopefully, the, uh, you know, uh, this guy smartened up by the time he did Total Recall. Or, uh, you know, because there was, there was that head thing, right? The... Yeah. Know, two weeks. You know, that was pretty cool. It was. He's still I hated alive. Robo, Robocop. Yeah, he's still alive. He's, well, he's 21 then, so he's like probably 25 now at least. Yeah. But, <laughs> at uh, least. <laughs> Robocop, I absolutely despised when well, I first saw it. I saw it in theaters. I hated it. Robocop? Not Robocop. Uh, Total, Total Recall. Recall. Yeah. Total Recall. I absolutely hated it. And then I rewatched it a couple of years ago and loved it. Oh, interesting. Uh, I, I loved RoboCop when I saw it, but see, that's the thing. Maybe if I watched RoboCop now for the first time, I'd be like, this is stupid. I don't know. It, it is stupid. It, it's absolutely stupid. Okay, maybe. Um, <laughs> I'm with you on Total Recall, though. I thought that movie was a little bit overrated, too. Yeah, but what have you watched it in the last 10 years? No. You should watch it in the last 10 years. Forget the new one. Uh, like, they've made a new Total Recall. Yeah, I didn't but see that's that. that's dumb. So they, they, they didn't even use Mars. It was like there was two cities on earth and that they went from one city to the other going through the core of the earth. Well, like, sounds cool. Yeah, but. 
dumb. So dumb. Okay. Like fucking suborbitals would be a whole lot better than drilling through the core of the earth to put a train in. Sure. Uh, why not just keep Mars? Like that's a good point. Mars is right there. Just use it. It's, it's right there. Yeah. I mean, the whole idea is blue sky on Mars. Blue Sorry sky. to spoil uh, RoboCop. All right. Well, uh, you mean Total Recall. Uh, Total Recall. Stop saying Dude. RoboCop. RoboCop, <laughs> yeah. good movie. Just, Not really. Well, I know, but I like it. I like RoboCop. I didn't, I didn't like it even then. <laughs> Anyways, I didn't like the remake of RoboCop, but they did that yeah. one too. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't mind it. Because it had the guy from, uh, yeah, the guy from that TV show. with The Killing, yeah. I like yeah, him. that's it, The Killing. He's good. Yeah. Let's talk about Star Wars for a minute before we Star wrap up Wars. Uh, do you want to talk about The Mandalorian or The Rise of Skywalker or both? Uh, let's do both. I, I haven't, uh, spoiler alert, like we, we can, we're okay with like spoiling um, the thing, right? But now we're going to be talking about The Mandalorian and... Uh, Star Wars, which, uh, are we going to spoil free or is this going to be spoiler free? Well, let's see. I don't want to go too deep into either of these right now because, uh, you know, if, if you really want to hear my thoughts on the Mandalorian, I recorded eight episodes of a podcast over on house podcastica about that. So it's, it's all out there. And I know you haven't seen the final episode of the Mandalorian yet, so we, we don't want to ruin that for you. But I do want to talk to you about a couple of things about the Mandalorian. Okay. Like, I haven't listened to that podcast, by the way. Oh, I meant to. I'm subscribed to it, but I haven't listened to it. All Sorry. Right. Uh, so I don't know what your thoughts are. So I do want to talk to you about it. Whether we do that off the air or on the air, I don't know. Maybe we could do it on the air anyway. Sure. Uh, and then people can listen to it. But it's going to be spoiler filled. Okay. So folks, if you haven't seen The Mandalorian, uh, maybe move on from this. After that, we're probably going to spoil a little bit of The Rise of Skywalker as well. So if you don't care about that, then fine. If you do, uh, I would say probably call it a podcast right here and we'll see you next time. Yeah. Thanks. Bye. All right. The Mandalorian, Jason, what are your questions? My, well, first of all, I really like the idea of this TV show, but it is inconsistent and kind of gets, uh, silly, annoying, and, uh, brilliant. Okay. In, in places. I would say I feel sort of the same way. Um, but it's, it's more good than bad in my opinion. It is. I would agree with that. Uh, I really like the, uh, the mythos of a Mandalorian, uh, the religion rather than being a race of people. It's a religion. It's a creed. Um, yeah. A creed. I like that idea. You don't take your helmet off for nobody, nowhere, no how. I mean, goddammit, Boba Fett didn't, or Jango Fett didn't listen to that creed. So he wasn't a Mandalorian. He just had the armor, mm -hmm. right? Well, Yes. So, uh, I like that idea. Uh, he was a, supposed to be like this brilliant warrior, but as soon as Gina Carano shows up, he turns into a fucking idiot and can't fight to save his life. Mando uh, does? Yeah. It's okay. like they get into a, they get into a fight there and he, <laughs> he telegraphs his punches, uh, like from a mile away, he has this flame thing on his arm, right? Mm -hmm. He starts shooting the flame like 98 degrees away from Gina Carano and then starts moving it over towards her. And she has like, it takes like a second and a half for that to happen. So she has plenty of time to go, whoa, there's a fire there. I should really, uh, throw a kick or something to stop that from burning my face off. Yeah. So I don't know what happened in that fight, but as soon as she showed up on the screen, uh, he turned into a friggin' idiot that can't fight. 
Hmm. And I don't, I, I don't know why. I never really picked up on that. Uh, it may be true. Um, I, I do love the Cara Dune character, though. I think she's yes. great. I wish she was in more of the show, to be honest. Well, I agree with that on one level. On the on another level, I think that she's much better in movies where they don't let her talk. No, I right? thought she her acting was fine. In fact, good in in The Mandalorian. No, I I haven't seen her in anything else. So she she was in that movie where she was a uh, well, she was in Deadpool, right? Oh, sorry, I have seen that, but yeah. I didn't. They didn't let her talk, and that's fine. Yeah, and then she was in another movie where they featured her. Uh, doing a bunch of fight scenes, but she only had like a, a half a dozen lines. Right. And that's fine because she can fight. And I really, that's what I like about Gina Carano. And I'll watch anything that she's in because I have something for, for, uh, I have an attraction for women that I know can take me apart without even thinking about it. Oh, she can like, kick your ass, man. Exactly. It's not just her characters. Gina Carano could take me apart so easily that it wouldn't, she wouldn't even break a sweat. Because she's a former MMA fighter. Yeah. Right? So, uh, and a uh, American gladiator. She was uh, on that show as well. Uh, so I just, I, I have a thing about, uh, you know, knowing that somebody could take me apart very easily. Well, I disagree with you on her acting because I haven't seen, I think the movie you were talking about was Haywire, maybe? Haywire, that's it. She's been in a bunch of other things since then. I haven't seen any of those things except Deadpool. But I thought she was quite good in the Mandalorian, the fighting and the acting. Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. She didn't, and she didn't kick as much in this, uh, in the Mandalorian. She's like, if you watch any of her MMA fights and mm -hmm. I have, uh, that the kicks that she does is, is her strength. Yeah. Uh, she's really good at kicking. So I, I wanted to see her do a lot more kicks. Okay. Well, fair. Throw people around and, you know, like across the room with her kicks. Cause she's like Jackie Chan in that, uh, uh, in that respect. Mandalorian season two starts in the fall. So maybe you'll get more of that in season two. Yeah. Okay. So that's good. The only, uh, the other thing that I wanted to bring up was that the episode where they, uh, the prisoner, where they go onto that prison ship. Yes. I fucking hated it. I hated every second of that. There was nothing in that whole episode that I could hang on to as an enjoyable character or uh, something that was even good. Uh, the, I liked, I was fine with that episode. The, the episode I didn't like was the one where he teams up with the rookie bounty hunter and they go out into the desert to find that assassin. Oh, that's fine. They were on speeder bikes. Yeah. Speeder bikes are great, but that, ep that episode to me had n very little connection to anything else that was going on in the greater story of this show. Now, just to recap briefly, my opinion of the whole season is that it started really strong dragged in the middle a little bit and ended really strong. Okay. Um, and the draggy part in the middle was most evident to me in that episode with the Brookie bounty hunter. Um, the prison ship was sort of part of that too, a little bit, I must admit, but I got more out of that because I thought there was some really cool sort of fight scary fight scenes in that you know when the power is flickering on and off in the ship and it's all red and mando's going around taking out one at a time you know when he takes out the bald guy whose name i can't remember right now you know the the lights are flickering on and off and mandalorian is appearing and disappearing behind him as he gets closer and closer it's great stuff man like that's kind of horror well, movie movie type stuff 
Well, he could fight in that episode. He right because Gina Carano was not in that episode. Right, <laughs> and 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 that reminds me of when they first get on the ship and he has to take out those uh, guard droids. droids. That's yeah. a great fight scene. Like I I took some fun stuff um, out of that Bill episode. Burr. There, Bill Burr. That's right. Yeah, the comedian. Yeah, who bad. I enough. like him in stuff. I've tried watching his stand up. I can't watch it. Interesting. I hate it so much. It's the same with Ricky Gervais. I could watch Ricky Gervais in like things sometimes, but his stand up is just so not my thing. Yeah, fair. Um, anyways, that you know, so Mandalorian a bit slow in the middle, but it finishes strong. So you got to watch the last episode. Yeah, the the four characters that he went into the the prisoner uh, ship with. Uh, the only one I liked was the uh, was the droid because it reminded of two things. One, the actor was on uh, the IT crowd, and I really liked that. He's a British comedian. Yep. Uh, and I really like him. And I, I thought I recognized that accent. I'm like, I know that. I know who that is. And I really like that guy. So he was, I could sort of hang on to uh, that droid as a character. And it reminded me of Knights of the Old Republic when you teamed up with an evil droid. Right. And I was, that was, and that was fun. Yeah. Right. So the transfer, I transferred that to this guy <laughs> that he was on the dark side. Right. Okay. So this droid was on the dark side and I could, I could dig it. But, uh, everybody else, like even the, uh, the, what's her name? I forget what the race is called with the, with the big horn things. Twi'lex. Twi'lex. Even her. I mean, I liked her on Game of Thrones, but I hated, hated her in this. Interesting. All right. I really, I despised that character. Bill Burr, I didn't like him very much. And then the the, the devil guy, when uh, Mando tried to burn him, uh-huh. like, is he actually from hell? So, you know, he's immune to fire? Like, what's the deal here? Well, I think he is kind of immune to fire, or at least he's able to tolerate it pretty well. But he's not actually from hell. He's just another race of creature. Right. But that, you know, he looks like a devil and he's resistant to fire attack. Yeah, fair. It, I, it was a, a little... A little on the nose. Got it. I, I can you know? understand that. But the biker guy, not the biker guy, the guy with the big beard that they were doing the job for. Yep. Uh, he was in Sons of Anarchy and he was one of my favorite characters in Sons of Anarchy. So I like that guy. Mark Boone Jr. Uh, Is that him? That's yeah. His name? Yeah. 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 He, he, he was can't really do anything good. that doesn't look like a biker, right? <laughs> Just, no. He has to look like a biker. Yeah. He's kind of got that look going. Uh, well, anyways, finish off the last episode of Mandalorian. It is rated extremely high. I thought it was a pretty solid finish, to be honest. And, um, oh, um, IG-11, just before we, we move on. I It took me a long time to get on board with IG-11. I didn't like the sort of character design they did for the IG units in this. Um, What's the IG-11? In this show? IG-11, the... Battle droid from episode one that Mando kills and then... Oh, right. I kind of like that. And then, um, no, I didn't like it at first. And I, and, and I sort of thought this is why they didn't make IG units move in the original trilogy, just stand there. Because they, when they move, they look ridiculous spinning around and... Flip. I liked that. No, if... Try to watch it and not think of Bender from Futurama. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Bender, that's fine. It and looked I, horrible I, to me. However... Um... I, I came on board with it eventually. I'll just say that. Okay. All right. No, I really liked the the design of him moving around in that jerky fashion. I liked that. It's different than C-3PO, for example, who's just this kind of uh, bumbling kind of 
sort of walking machine and different from uh, other droids that we've seen that are more graceful mm-hmm. and, and walk around. So he was, it, was, it was different. But that's the thing. Like, I think they were trying to make IG-11 more graceful, but it's just the long, skinny arms. I like oh, the... No. I, wait a minute. I like the idea of he's able to spin around and, like, shoot in all different directions and things like that, but, um, but the flailiness of it, and the sort of weird bender walk of it all didn't work for me at first. Oh, no, I liked it because it reminded me of uh, how street performers pretend they're robots, right? They're kind of <laughs> that jerky kind of motion. Right. Right. It, it, it reminded me of that. And I kind of like that because it's just like, well, you know, robots don't move that way, right? Even today, robots never moved like that. But now IG-11 does. Yeah. Well, it, yeah. It just didn't just didn't work for me. I mean, if you're pretending to be a robot, uh, now we haven't what's supposed to be an actual robot looking looks like he's pretending to be a robot. So, anyways, <laughs> yeah. Well, even on that level, I enjoy it. Sure, it, all right. It's fair. an actual. It's it's a uh, a CG robot that is pretending to be uh, a street performer robot. <laughs> right. That's sort of sort of wacky. Um, I did really like. Nick Nolte as Quill. I love yep. the Quill character. Um, Except when he was on screen and they were having a conversation, uh, there was no indication that the uh, the TV show was in actual English. Everything looked overdubbed. Well, right? because neither of those characters have a, mo- a moving mouth. No, Quill has a mouth. Yeah, but it didn't match up with what he was saying. Oh, well, I didn't it just really... looked like it was dubbed from some other language, and then Mando was had a mask on, so you couldn't. Like they could have put that in any language whatsoever and it would have been fine. Well, maybe that was the idea. Maybe they shot it before they wrote it. Who knows? Maybe, maybe Nick Nolte, uh, wasn't the original actor. Well, he wasn't in the suit. <laughs> he was only the well, voice no, actor. Of course not. Of course. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Other. Yeah. So maybe he wasn't, I don't know. Yeah. And right. the actor who plays Mando, I didn't realize until today that it was the guy from Game of Thrones that was up against the mountain. It's Pedro Pascal. It raises uh raises the bar a little bit. That's awesome. Only did the voice was never in the armor. He's not in the armor. That's not him. No, there's there's one guy who did most of the in armor work, and another guy who did some more of the true stunts. But uh, somebody that's else the, in the armor. That's the bullshit they fucking pulled on Darth Vader. That makes me mad. I'm sorry. It's the truth though. The guy who played Darth Vader, uh. Not James Earl Jones, because in my mind, he didn't play Darth Vader. Even James Earl Jones said, I didn't play Darth Vader. I just did the voice. That's right? that's playing. That's acting. That's the most important thing. One of the most no. important things. But they told, the, I forget the guy's name, and this is very telling that I forget the guy's name who was in the Darth Vader suit. David Prowse. Uh, David Prowse. They told him he was Darth Vader and that they would redo his lines in post. Uh-huh. And they never did. They fucked that guy over. <laughs> Hard. I suppose, yeah. It's too bad for him. <laughs> it is too bad for him. So this makes me mad that uh, that he that the guy who's doing the Mando's voice is not the guy because he kind of walks like Timothy Oliphant. Yeah, doesn't he? There's a, there was a lot of acting in the perf- armor performance for the Mandalorian. The way he had to move and walk and very deliberate in his actions. Like there was a lot going on there. The voice is a whole other thing that they cast a you know more known actor for, to do. Yeah, I'm disappointed in that. Okay, well, sorry. It's okay. Um, all right, The Mandalorian, check it out. It's on Disney Plus, and check out House Podcastica if you want to hear me talk about each and every episode of The Mandalorian. 
Cool. Uh, I am fading here with my pneumonia, but um, what did you think of The Rise of Skywalker? Star Wars, good. Rise of Skywalker, good? Yeah. All right. Uh, it's a pretty polarizing movie. A lot of people really disliked it. Oh, it's better than the second one. And wow. plenty of people who are less vocal, I think, enjoyed it quite a bit. I thought it was great. And yeah. I don't... I think it's interesting you mentioned The uh, Last Jedi because I think the people that really liked that one didn't like this one as much. And oh, so idiots. Well... <laughs> They, how can you like that one? They had bombers that were dropping bombs in space with no gravity. Yeah, but that's that's a minor thing. I I just that's think that's not a minor thing. That's how, they don't know. Well, there's no sound in space, and start and you know, Tie Fighters have been making sounds in space since seventies. Yeah, 70s. of course. Um, no, the the Last Jedi was a little bit of a different take. It went in a different route than. Um, you kind of expect from a Star Wars movie. I happen to believe that the events of The Last Jedi can coexist with the events of The Rise of Skywalker and the first one in this trilogy, but a lot of people don't really feel that way. I I don't love The Last Jedi, but I do like it. Uh, but I but it doesn't make me dislike this movie or, you know, like this movie more or whatever. But I do think The Rise of Skywalker was good. I think the worst thing you can say about it is that it moves way too fast. It never slows down to take a break. There's yeah. like two movies at least worth of content in there and they probably could have trimmed it down or streamlined it a little bit. Oh yeah. Can you imagine uh, a whole movie about trying to find that secret planet? Uh, I'd watch that. Yeah. Like, you know, like why was, uh, what's his eyebrows on that planet killing all those people just to get a fucking triangle? Uh, you know, I watch a whole movie about that. Sure. Well, this movie kind of was, in a way, all about trying to find the uh, Sith planet. Ah, they found it. And then yeah. all of a sudden they were able to make this, you know, uh, final order fleet uh, somehow. I'm not sure exactly how. Did they have a, you know, a manufacturing facility? Is there a whole bunch of people there? I don't know. Well, there are a whole bunch of people there. You see them. They're all the Sith in the, that big arena thing. Um, but also, didn't we didn't we establish that there's only two Sith, a master and a and a and a? No, there's this there's this entire race secret group of Sith in this planet that have always been there. I think there's a Sith Lord and then uh, his Darth. Well, that's not how it works. There's lots of them apparently. I'm pretty sure that there was always only ever two, according to the prequels. And I, I hate to cite the prequels on lore Eesh. and in you know, canon, but I, I don't, it's confusing at the very least. Sure. To me, it's confusing. It's, it's a little bit confusing. Maybe, maybe they haven't been super clear about that, but, um, just all, you know, other things that people hated about this is they, they made, uh, Ray a Palpatine, which doesn't bother me at all. Having Palpatine be no, the one funny. who's, who's pulling the strings this whole time uh, doesn't bother me at all. I think that's kind of a cool concept for it, right? Like he was, he was orchestrating all this all along, which I think is interesting. I think that they would have done better if it was Jar Jar. No. was orchestrating everything and that she was a Jar Jar. Well, that. Because uh, Jar Jar is her last name, right? I don't her know. family name, Binks is his first name, Jar Jar Binks. Anyway, uh, uh, no, it didn't bother me that she was a Palpatine. Uh, I don't think that that was the original intent. Behind her family, like when uh, when uh, what's his name 
said that, uh, you know, your parents were nobody. I believed that. And I thought that that was the way they should have gone. Well, I mean, the problem is there that they didn't take, they didn't approach this trilogy from the beginning with a consistent story through three movies. They did one at a time. Well, that's how the original trilogy was too, right? Like Lucas didn't know that fucking Darth Vader was Luke's father at the beginning. Right, but they didn't have he the- might, He might say he knew that, but that's complete horse shit. Right, he, di- he didn't even know they would be siblings, Luke and no, Leia, at the beginning. he didn't. But that's, that's a different thing, man. Like, they, they, he didn't have the luxury at the time of doing that, because he had to get one movie made. He, would, he didn't know if anyone would see it, and there would ever be another two movies or whatever, right? Um, now, though, they should have- done it that way they should have written a story from start to finish made three movies and be done with it instead jj abrams did one ryan johnson did another one ryan johnson did some things that uh were a little outside the normal realm for star wars and then jj abrams came back and was like "Eh, we gotta undo some of that stuff so here's how we're going to do it and then they changed it from jj's version right what do you mean? J.J. made this third movie. He directed it. He did, but they, uh, you know, after afterwards, the studio made some edits and they made some changes, right? It wasn't, this is, wasn't all J.J. Like he didn't, uh, my understanding was that when Ray and, uh, what's his, what are their names? Poe, Finn, po, Ray. Ray and the, who's the bad guy? Kylo Ren. Kylo Ren, uh, when they kissed, my understanding was that J.J. Abrams groaned in the theater at the premiere when he saw that. That um, wasn't his kiss. Okay, well, I don't, I don't know about that. Um, he is and I cred- don't think they should have kissed. No. I don't think that that should have been a, a romantic interest, those two. I agree. I could have done without the kiss. Absolutely. There was enough there that you know Kylo has come back from the dark side. He's rescued her. They didn't need to kiss. There was no reason yeah. for it at all. Um, J.J. Abrams is credited as the writer along with a guy named Chris Terrio. And, uh, of course, he's the director. So I, find, I, would, I would be surprised if, as the director, he didn't know that that kiss was in there. There's no way he didn't direct that part of it, I wouldn't think. But Well, I don't, I don't know. know. That's, that's, I'd have to do more, more research yeah. on there's, that. There's actually more writing credits as well. Derek Connolly, Colin Trevorrow. Oh, Colin Trevorrow, I think was one of the original writers, but none of his work was used, I heard. So anyways, um, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't I could love... have split this into two movies and I'd have watched them both. E- easily, I think, for sure. Um, there was some other stuff in there that was probably unnecessary. Lots of MacGuffins, you know, getting a dagger that has an inscription. And oh yeah, they have to get Sith Wayfinders and then you hold the dagger up to... The Death Star. I mean, that was sort of dumb, but... Well, why would you make a dagger to point to something that was uh, in the Emperor's personal room on the Death Star that is destroyed and crashed onto a planet right. uh, or a moon, another moon of the, the planet of Endor? Yep. No, I there, assume, right? There, there has to have been a better way to do that. Yeah, it's like a series of fetch quests. Uh, you know, you can do better than write a story with a bunch of fetch quests to get to the end. Sure. I mean, uh, Sucker Punch was, do you remember that movie? Did you ever watch that movie? No. Nope. Yeah. It's a piece of shit. Uh, but that's exactly what it is. It's a bunch of fetch quests. Yeah. 
and but but see the, that thing that doesn't really bother it none of these things bother me that much about this star wars movie because as i said on another uh on the mandalorian cast we did a whole episode on this movie as well uh, yep. that just came out a few days ago and what i said there is that unlike the thing i have a lot of nostalgia for star wars i saw it when i was a child it was the most important movie to me in my life all of them when i was a kid and what i love about most of the stuff in this you know third trilogy of star wars films is that it reminds me of those movies and it reminds me of how i felt when i watched those movies so for me reaction to star wars is more visceral than it is with any sort of critical eye and i understand that's not how everyone looks at it but this makes me feel like star wars it makes me feel good when i watch it and that's enough for me and um that's the main reason i like it the other thing i said was that i experience these movies with my own kids now who are basically the age i was when the original trilogy came out and they like it so a lot of my enjoyment is doing it with them and experiencing it through them a little bit now right and that is something that you just can't explain in in the same way so um, oh yeah so I can, I can understand that i get a ton i get a ton out of these movies and uh you know what sure there's problems but i think rise of skywalker was fantastic and i've seen it twice in the theater and i'll See it again at home, I'm sure, when it's available. I liked that C-3PO understood the translation on the dagger, but couldn't tell them what it was. Yeah, and 3PO was great in this movie. I think he had more lines than he has in in most of the other films. He was definitely there for some comic relief, but he always has been there. He's always been there for comic relief. For comic relief. Um, but he was also, well, I mean, they're, they're Shakespearean characters, sure. Uh, caricatures, you know, like C-3PO and R2-D2 are the Shakespearean comic relief characters, right? Like they're, they're, they're archetypes of comic relief. R- yeah, absolutely. They're Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. They totally are. Yeah. Um, but 3PO was also instrumental in the story here, right? He, he was. He couldn't translate the Sith. Um, I do think though, if you're going to go to the trouble of erasing his memory, they could have just left it erased. They they didn't need to, you know, back it up from R2. Oh, yeah. You, you know, you can't have consequences for your actions, can you? You don't, There's no need for that. It, the thing is, it was a pretty emotional scene when, when he says, I'm taking one last look at my friends, when he agrees to have his entire existence reset for the good of humanity. Like, that's a huge deal, even yeah. for a droid. But then it really didn't mean anything because they just pumped his memories back in. I liked the fact that C-3PO had to consent to this. Yeah. It wasn't done to him that he decided to do it. Mm-hmm. I Absolutely. Nice. There's been a lot of um, sort of new information about droids and what it means to be a droid in the Star Wars universe with this, but also in The Mandalorian about when uh, Quill resurrects IG-11 into something different and has to teach him how to do things and stuff like that. So... Yeah, I think there's a lot of interesting questions around what it means to be a droid and are they alive and do they have their own personalities or is it all just programming? So it's kind of fun. I like that. You know what makes me, you know what makes me sad? What? I, you know, I rewatched uh, the last two Star Wars movies in prep for uh, The Rise of Skywalker. And when I watched the, uh, the first movie in this trilogy, 
uh, Han Solo comes back to the Millennium Falcon for the first time in many, many years. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't acknowledge the uh, the droid consciousness that's in the navigation computer. Which we learned just like, about in the yeah, Solo but, movie. Yeah. Yeah. And neither does fucking Lando. Lando shows up on here. You think that he, having a personal relationship with this droid, that it broke his heart to put it into the navigation computer, would at least go, it's nice to see you, or something. That's a fair point. Right? Yeah, I hadn't thought about that, but you're right. They should have, like, just one line would have covered that, right? It annoyed me as much as in the first movie in this trilogy, when Han Solo picked up uh, Chewbacca's uh, crossbow rifle. Bowcaster. And and said, hey, Bowcaster. I like this. Bowcaster, whatever. And <laughs> fired it and uh, and said, hey, I like this. Yeah. It's like, how long have you known Chewie? And he's had this weapon for a very long time. Come on. That's bullshit that you haven't tried that or knew what it was capable of. It's fair. Yeah. You're right. That was kind yeah, of it. And that was it. Uh, two more things about The Rise of Skywalker. I'm convinced that the scene where Han comes appears to Kylo, the moment he basically turns back to the the light side. Yep. I, I'm sure that was supposed to be Carrie Fisher, uh, but of course she wasn't available because sadly she yeah. died. Uh, but but at the uh, same time, I think Harrison Ford did a pretty good job and it was almost as impactful because they had a similar conversation in the first movie. Yes. And I think that they were uh, able to convey that it was Leia projecting that. Yeah. Like it wasn't just Kylo Ren remembering his father. Mm-hmm. It was Leia projecting that. And I think that, uh, based like they, her entire performance was based on uh, footage they didn't use from the last movies. Right? It, it was all the footage was shot for the other two movies. And the most amazing part though, is all of her dialogue was constructed from every word Carrie Fisher has ever said in a star Wars film <laughs> from 40 years ago and everything. Nice. Yeah. yeah I was looking for, uh, uh, you know, a digital recreation of Carrie Fisher in this movie. Cause I didn't know, I didn't, I hadn't done any research. I didn't know what her role was mm-hmm. or, uh, if they were able to, uh, get any, uh, footage of her before she passed for this movie, or if they recreated her digitally like they did in that other dumb movie. Uh, so I was a little worried. Mm-hmm. And so I was looking for him like, she doesn't look digital. If she's digital, they did a masterful job, but she's not. Yeah, I, I think they did do a masterful job. Um, well, with the with the uh, dialogue, you know, that's obviously easier yeah. than the the visuals. But yeah, everything she said was relatively vague, though, right? It, it was, yeah, for sure. The the words they they had to you know they had to do what they could, I suppose. But um, yeah, I think they did a great job with her. Um, one the but, only the only other disappointment I had in this was that uh, I really would have liked. Uh, Poe and Finn to to have had a romantic relationship in this. I think there I think w- that their relationship should have been uh, more romantic at the end. I think at one point that was considered. I remember hearing that somewhere. Um, and and maybe that was maybe that's what you're talking about a little bit with the J.J. Abrams thing. I think maybe he was thinking that would be a thing, and then Disney wasn't quite ready for it or something, so they kiboshed that. I don't know. I, I just think I, th- I think it's a missed opportunity. They did have a um, a same sex relationship with one of the generals. Yeah, like she they had a kiss at the end. Her and her uh, wife or girlfriend. Mm-hmm. So th- it was there. It was in the movie, but it just wasn't the main characters. Yeah, which that, I think is a miss. May, maybe a miss. I I do uh, I do think though that um, 
John Boyega and uh, what's his face who plays Poe, Oscar Isaac, have great chemistry on screen yep. together. And what I liked about those two characters is you can tell they annoy each other. You can tell they get on each other's nerves, but they're still best friends and they yeah. still are able to work together in a professional capacity in everything they do. Um, and I think they portray that relationship really well. Should it yeah. have been romantic? I wouldn't have been upset by that, but I didn't yeah. really feel like it was missing either. I think I was, I, at the end, uh, I had no idea. Like I, like I said, I didn't do any research beforehand to f see if that was a, a thing, but, uh, I got the impression that it could have been a thing. And at the end I was hoping that it was a thing, right? but then it wasn't a thing. And I was right. a little disappointed. Okay. Well, the only other thing in the movie that I thought was really poorly handled was the Chewbacca fake out. Um, the scene where it was dumb. It was dumb. Yeah. The scene where Ray is force pulling a spaceship back to the planet as it's taking off was amazing. And it came after maybe my favorite scene in the movie where she backflips over a TIE fighter. Um, <laughs> But, but force pulling that ship was amazing. And then to have Kylo Ren show up and they get into this like force tug of war with the thing and to have Ray lose control of herself and shoot the force lightning and blow up the ship, I thought was amazing. And I thought was going to be a really interesting touch to Daisy Ridley's uh, arc here where, you know, force lightning is a pretty decidedly dark Jedi thing. Oh, yeah. And to have her lose control and do that and actually kill so many people that were on that ship. I thought that would have been really interesting. And I do think it's really interesting, although it doesn't really go as far as I hoped it would in terms of affecting her as a character. Um, but having Chewbacca blow up on that ship or supposedly blow up, I'm like, no, I don't think I ever really believed that Chewie was dead because he's one of the most popular characters in the whole thing. And it didn't take long for them to re re reveal that he was just fine. Like it was literally less than 10 minutes later in the movie. Oh yeah. I thought it, that's, you know, that's another example of a drama without consequences, right? It's uh, it's the same thing as uh, C-3PO giving up his, his memory to save humanity. It's, uh, it's, you know, the absolute uh, sacrifice of somebody in order to further the, either the character development or the plot development, but then backing out of the consequences. Yeah. Like, yeah. We had that moment. That was a very powerful moment, but it doesn't mean anything. We don't quite ultimately. have the balls to follow through on it. So here's Chewie, yeah. everyone. <laughs> and that's not like J.J. Abrams, right? J.J. Abrams tends to kill somebody that everybody loves in movies. Does he? I don't know. I'd have he, to. He killed Han Solo for crying out loud. I'm if while I'm spoiling Star Wars, he tends to kill beloved characters in the movie he makes. Uh, uh, Wash in uh, uh, Firefly, Serenity, Serenity, the movie. He he killed Wash. That was a heartbreaker for me. Wait a minute, I I don't think J.J. Abrams has anything to do with Firefly. You're you're what thinking, thinking of, of Joss Whedon. Oh, uh, Joss Whedon then. Yeah, wrong wrong guy. I'm Whatever like, they start both start with J's. <laughs> Fair, but wrong guy. Totally different guy. <laughs> Um, I'm glad you have the internet with you. Yeah. Yeah. It's important. That would have gone crazy if I hadn't corrected that. Okay. So what, regardless, the punches were pulled and I was not happy with the punches, how the punches were pulled in both cases. Bottom line, that's absolutely correct. Uh, but again, doesn't really take away from my overall enjoyment of the movie because this is Star Wars and it made me feel like a kid again. And I thought it was awesome.
in a way that the prequel trilogy never could and didn't even have a chance of doing. Oh, they were complete. I don't know how. I know they make they make me sad. It's you take uh, you take you and McGregor and uh, Natalie Portman and you put them on screen together and you turn their fucking acting into garbage and it's terrible. How is that even possible? It's, how that that takes strength of inadequacy in order to accomplish. They're both good actors yeah. in their own right. Just let them act. How do you fuck that up? Yeah. Well, it was the, it was writing. It was all kinds of things. Um, but you know, take some, have some faith that, uh, Ewan McGregor's coming back to do the Obi-Wan show on Disney plus. So maybe it'll be really <laughs> awesome. going to be an Obi-Wan show. Yeah. There's going to be an with Obi-Wan Ewan McGregor. show. With Ewan McGregor. Okay. So he's a little bit older now. So does this Obi-Wan show take place on Tatooine while he's in exile? I don't think so, but I have no idea. Uh, also, you and McGregor can play any age. All right, within reason. The, my favorite thing about it, uh, you and McGregor is his brother, <laughs> Ob Two. Ob Two, right? His call sign in the uh, the UK Air Force. Um, there was something else I wanted to mention about this movie. Oh, uh, Palpatine! Mm-hmm. I was not upset that uh, Palpatine came back. Me either. And I'll tell you why. Okay. Because when uh, Darth Vader cut off Luke's hand in Empire Strikes Back, and then he fell down that big hole, mm-hmm. and he fell 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 and he fell, and then he was fine because he has the Force. Right. Why the fuck couldn't Palpatine do that when all all that happened was that uh, Darth Vader picked him up and threw him off a ledge? Right. Exactly. That's not that's not gonna fuck somebody up. That's not. I gonna... mean, sure, there was a little bit of a blue explosion at the bottom, but how do you know that that was him dying? No. Right? Maybe it was just him using his uh, force lightning to cu- uh, cushion his blow. I mean, he's fine. You can explain that. an awful lot, Jason, with the two words, space wizards. Oh, yeah, space wizard. Right? That's so th- that can explain a lot. And I know that's a really unsatisfying answer for a lot of people. But again, not for me. That's fine. So I think it was great. I thought the lightsaber battling in this movie was fantastic better than it's been in almost any other Star Wars movie. Um, I noticed that they use sort of the backhand lightsaber hold a lot where that, uh, yep. you know, it's going the other way. I thought that was really cool. And um, little touches like when, again, when Han is talking to Kylo and Kylo turns back to the light side, he throws his lightsaber away symbolizing him throwing the dark side away, right? And he turns around to Harrison Ford and he says, Dad, and pauses. And do you remember what Harrison Ford said? No. Han Solo said, I know. Oh, it, did he? It was, the, was awesome. It was the I know to the unsaid I love you, which was was so perfect. And, and, you know, casual fans might not pick up on that, but it worked for me. I'm like, this is so great. Like, can I stop smiling now? It's amazing. <laughs> That's pretty good. Ray choosing the name Skywalker at the end. Everyone can see that coming a mile away when she's standing well, there. Well, it's called the Rise of Skywalker. What the hell else? Of yeah, course. fair. But like, I just thought it was great. It turns out like it's an, it's a, her story of finding her identity, finding her sort of, you know, an adoption story in a way. She adopts the principles and, and all the things that go along with these people that she's discovered more about across three movies. I thought it was great. There was nothing bad about it in my opinion. So, well, the only thing that bothered me was that the title of the movie was a spoiler. Yeah. 
I guess. For the ending of the movie. I mean, right? So, I suppose. But you don't really figure that out until the final scene. When she's well, it's called there. Rise of Skywalker, right? And the yeah. only Skywalkers in this movie are dead by the end of it. Yeah, they all are dead. But that's, you know, the Skywalkers are dead. Long live the Skywalkers because she is one of them now. Yeah, well, maybe they'll stop calling them Jedis because that seems to be the kiss of death. And they'll call, start calling them Skywalkers. Yeah, the ancient tales of the Skywalkers. Yeah, so this is, uh, you know, Tatooine and uh, uh, Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru's house with the blue milk. That's mm-hmm. the uh, the new, you know, Skywalker temple where the whole order er- originates. Skywalker Ranch, baby. There it is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Ray is going to live out the rest of her life being a lowly moisture farmer. As we all will. As we all would like to. Yeah. All right. That is enough of that. Let's wrap things up here. Um, And uh, let's tell everyone that they can visit our website at talkingdeadpodcast.com to leave us voice messages by clicking on send voicemail at the top. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the talking dead or, um, you know, I guess on Twitter at Talking Dead, although I don't really talk about that as much anymore because it's kind of useless to me. Is you, Twitter still a thing? It's still a thing, yeah. But it's what about Facebook? I don't still f- out there? Yeah, it's still out there. That's why I bring it up all the time. Uh, send email to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. So we'll be back in the coming weeks with something. Not sure what yet, but uh, I promise it won't be a month between episodes. We'll have something else to do uh, before The Walking Dead comes back, which is at the end of February. And uh, I'm greatly looking forward to that because the show has been fantastic for a while and I hope Angela Kang can keep her going. Yep. All right. Until next time, everyone, thank you for tuning in. My name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Ciao.